friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're recording today here in Amiskwichiwa Skygun, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory on the banks of the Kasiskasawanisipi, or the North Saskatchewan River. Joining us today are friends of the show and um, awesome, really just fantastic guests. Very excited to have them on. Stephen Maguziak, a reporter with Press Progress, who is based in Calgary, and Shama Rangwala, an assistant professor at York University, as well as a fellow podcaster. Uh, Replay is there is Shama's podcast. You should really listen to it. But thank you for coming on the show. How are both of you doing? Hey, everyone. Um, thank you for having me on. I am doing, I thought it was well, as anyone in Alberta, I think we're all a little surprised by the recent news. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy mm-hmm. to you, talk to you both. I'm happy to talk to you both about this, and and we can work out our thoughts and feelings. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta have a struggle session here because uh, Kenny's exit from politics, or Kegsit, as uh, my colleague Jim has described it, in which will be the podcast uh, episode <laughs> title. Uh, I did not expect it. I did not. I thought he was going to hold on, hooker by crook, and uh, it's it's really been a roller coaster of emotions. I think for the past few days, as the result came out, and then Kenny's like said he's going to quit, and then now he's like, uh, I only said I was going to quit, not that I quit, uh, which is a hilarious uh, George Costanza esque fucking twist on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, the um, George Costanza, the George Costanza comparisons are just so apt here. I mean. Quitting and then showing up the next day and then trying to like get really um, homework meritish about just the, the, the what is the definition of quitting? What is quitting? Yeah, um, let's get into well, it. Let's like let's, let's break open the Oxford English Dictionary of quitting. Yes. Oxford defines quitting as. <laughs> um, but but let's let's get into our our feelings here because I think uh, Kenny has is just has been an awful person. He has inflicted an, an incredible amount of real and psychic damage on the people of Alberta. And, and, and Shama, I want to know, like, how did you feel when you first heard the news? What, what went through your head? Yeah. I mean, uh, you mentioned Kexit and uh, the, the term of it. And if you'll just indulge me, it reminds me of one of my favorite writings from uh, Karl Marx, the, the 18th Brumaire of Louis Bonaparte, where he talks about how in like moments of revolutionary crisis, uh, the, the spirits of the past are conjured up. And so borrowing names and slogans and costumes. Um, and it just seems like this is our meme culture that we have to find. We have to find some way to make Kenny like this is kind of unprecedented um, that being booted through like an internal leadership review uh, legible in some ways that we can th- like Brexit, uh, Megxit, Wexit, and now we have Kexit. <laughs> and it's like we just live in a kind of like repetition culture when these all have their historical specificity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, some are more or less revolutionary than others. Uh, but yeah, how did I feel? You know, I had some wine ready, uh, but I, I actually thought that there would be shenanigans that would that would keep him in power because of the six week delay. And then it was delayed, you know, four to six p.m., six to six fifteen. 6.15 to 6.30, this, like, delay, delay. And I was like, oh, they're just, like, you know, figuring out some shenanigans. And now, as you say, there's this delay of him leaving as well. So, um, yeah, I think there's something maybe afoot with that, that he, he – Kenny does not say what he means. He does not do anything transparently. 
So I suppose time will tell. Stephen, you have you have stared you have stared into the dark soul of of Jason Kenny, you know, as a reporter for Press Progress for the past like four years. Uh, I mean, you more than anyone has like knows the the inner workings of like the people around him and how he functions mm-hmm. and how he operates. Did you see this coming? Uh, well, when I found out that it was happening, I was yeah, like everyone, we're, we're let's. We were all surprised after announcing that he narrowly squeaked through and he had his 50% plus one and he got, I suppose, in a very literal way that um, with 51%. Um, for him to just give a brief speech and then <clears throat> resign, it was a fairly surprising moment. But I mean, on a, I still kind of maintained a, I'll believe it when I see it. And we, I, I, um, there's been moments of going back and forth where it's like, okay, is this really it? Or does he have another play? And then now we're starting to see evidence that there are a couple moves that he can do here still and seems to be indicating that he will, whatever form it takes. So, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense for him to find a way back in to George Costanza, his way into somehow running again and retaking his party because that's the kind of bellicose, uh, aggressive, and... George Costanza like move that he would do. It's, it's just classic. I, I, classic. I mean, I yeah. was wrong. I thought he was going to hooker by crook stay on, you know, I thought he was going to finagle and, you know, through whatever means available to him, get like a mid sixties kind of approval rating. Yeah. So I think because he had said that 50 plus one meant he was staying on makes me think that he has something quite cushy and lucrative uh, lined up for after this, but he does get to stay on for a while and, and benefit from, uh, you know, that office. Um, I want to just mention, I was quite furious at all of the civil well wishes um, from <laughs> other other political <clears throat> leaders in this province. I don't know if you had some feelings about that, but I, it kind of put I me in a bit of a rage. <laughs> <laughs> You do not, under any circumstances, have to get. We don't have to hand it it to to Kenny at at all. But it really made me think about how fragile, you know, like liberal democracy, liberal capitalist democracy based on exclusions, um, is. You know, even thinking about how, like, I don't know. I've been thinking about like Irish unification and. Uh, you know, Scottish secession and and things like that, and and the queen being so old. They just have a queen in order to, like, have some sort of coherence of nation, right? Um, And we have civility in in Canada. And uh, (laughs) it's just so fake. And it's like, it also reminded me of, you know, Al Gore conceding and letting the Supreme Court decide uh, the presidency in 2000. Like there are all of these things we can connect this to as like symptomatic of the same problem. And that is that it's so fragile to base your society on like capitalist colonial exclusions that you need to have faith in these like fake institutions that, you know, it just it put me in such a fury because they were going through this pantomime of like Rachel Notley was like, oh, he I want to thank him for his sacrifice. And I just like retweeted it with that Shrek, <laughs> you know, Prince Far- or Lord Farquaad, who's being like, you know, some of you will die, but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Like the only sacrifice Kenny made was other people. In And so if you can't break that like 
fake performative ritual to like hold this like exclusionary colonial capitalist society together if you can't break it because of this person who actually led to a lot of deaths, a lot of like drug overdose deaths, COVID deaths, deaths of despair, um, you know, 911 what hasn't been working properly, um, ambulance. Like there's so many ways that their policies are personally responsible for deaths. And we know Kenny takes a lot of joy in other people's misery. Um, he has some sense of him being like elect mm. or, or something, right? That he's like this, you know, blessed by God and everyone else can go fuck themselves. And so why can't you just say that? And you can't say that because we're so like our like institutions are so fragile. Our exclusionary society is so fragile that they have to do this whole song and dance of thanking him. And it just put me in a rage. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, they'd never do politics, right? I mean, I think that the NDP, in, <clears throat> there's no better uh, premier to have um, when you're in opposition. So I believe they actually are sorry to see him go in a way. And yeah, no, just like the like bowing to civility, just like the liberal civility, like, oh, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your service. Like, like no, he should be the enemy. You should actually hate him. I mean, I, I love the notion of civility that. as our queen, Shama. I, I, lo- I love the notion <laughs> of civility as our queen. So, like the thin, this thin, this thin, tiny old line or lady, like holding this rickety fucking empire together, yeah. like barely. It's 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 very true. And and yes, this podcast is not going to be uh, praising Jason Kenny's sacrifice. We come. We come to Barry Kenny, not praise him, but like for for real, Barry Kenny, like not in the Mark Anthony way, like fuck that guy. Uh, he Jason Kenny was a bad person who did bad things, and we will say those things out loud because it's like none of us are and bound the, by this can say it, right? The people who are farther to the right of him can say it, but these like weak ass centrist liberals can't say it. And that yeah, yeah, Brian James is going to thank you for his service. <laughs> So so let's kind of look at, at Kenny's legacy, right? Like, I, I think it's important to take stock of all the bad shit he did because, uh, you know, he did briefly unite, you know, social conservatives and rural cultural, cultural conservatives with like downtown business psychos and defeated the NDP quite conclusively in 2019, but it all fell apart. And, you know, while he was able to bring those people together and, 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 become premier he has left a legacy that i think will last a long time like he barely the NDP. Together, if, if at all um yeah, yeah. Mean, but the like, ruptures but like, were already starting before the party like before the paint had dried on the new party like so to speak but unlike the ndp jason kenny was willing to use uh, but unlike the ndp jason kenny was willing to use the levers of power to do ideology and to like do politics. And uh, I'll throw this question open. Like, what do you think is going to be the most harmful part of Kenny's legacy? So it's, it's, I think uh, they're the really explicit things. Like I mentioned all of the, you know, deaths and, and misery that he's created, but I think also giving this kind of uh, respectable face to all of that has been quite destructive. Um, I think that it's kind of gotten rid of any sort of left in this province because the NDP is, has has moved to the right, uh, even though they're called, you know, leftist communists, like one can only dream. Uh, 
And so, of course, there's all of this, you know, really destructive things he's done to public institutions to gut them in order to pave the way for privatization. Uh, we know all of that. But I, I think that uh, the <clears throat> sort of breaking people's brains by having such like transparent lies and just exposing um, a lot of the mainstream media as utterly incapable of calling out those lies. And I know, you know, it's really easy to look to to Trump because it's the country closest to us. But this is something Narendra Modi has done. It's something other, you know, authoritarian right wing <clears throat> leaders have done, which is just to lie so transparently that uh, the, you know, these fragile institutions don't know how to respond to that. And this is something that, you know, it's not Alberta specific, but certainly Kenny uh, did his best to, yeah, break people's brains, really. Uh, I think I agree. So um, yeah, he, what he broke their brains on specifically was a belief in any sort of, like, basically he revealed what the current state of Canadian democracy is inadvertently, just by being so authoritarian and heavy-handed, not just with his brutal um, policies that led to thousands of deaths, but uh basically giving a political education to people who once supported him by then screwing them over, just completely disillusioning everyone in the political process. A thing that you're right has happened around the world. I mean, people look like, yeah, to Trump or what's happened with shenanigans in other jurisdictions. He changed the way Albertans view politics by giving them, I would argue a more realistic understanding of what conservative politics in particular, but just general like Canadian politics are. Um, it's a lot of cheating. It's a lot of backroom deals. It's a lot of really, really sketchy business. It's a lot of uh, lobbyist ties and just things like that that kind of run counter to a more myopic view of what democracy is. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah and this is global. I mean, he went to the U.S. right before this. Um, and CPAC right now is in Hungary with Viktor Orban as the, as the keynote. Like these are Kenny's people and he kind of brought an acceleration of this to Alberta. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's happening everywhere. It's happening fast, faster in Alberta because of Kenny and the UCP. Yeah, he has mad links to Orban and Modi in India by way of Harper and Associates, of which he's always been an animal of Harper and Associates. He brought that here. He he certainly, I mean, hasn't he been to Davos? It's very funny. My biggest. uh, I don't think he's been to Davos because I think it would look really bad for him to go like pop (laughs) off of Davos elites. It would have been years ago in Harper because Harper Harper went to Davos. I think think it may have been when he was um, a Harper cabinet minister. But I mean, that's, I don't want to get caught up in that bullshit. But I mean, I think my biggest memory and, and the biggest kind of legacy. That Kenny will leave is best summer ever, right? Holding a jubilant celebratory press conference where we're going to open up the province just in time for Stampede. And then, you know, during a pandemic, and then hundreds, if not thousands, of people died. You know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people will be disabled. You know, just so he could get a photo op and just so he could he could go to his base and say, hey, look, I, I'm listening to you. I know you hate masks and lockdowns. Um, you know, we're, we're going to, I'm going to do what you want. And like, it was so craven. And, and like, like anyone involved in fucking best summer ever, like, should not be able to like exist in public. Like they shouldn't be able to walk down the street without being pelted with eggs and fucking harassed. 
Yeah, yeah. If we lived in a good country like uh, China or Japan, we never wouldn't happen. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I've got a whole list of, of fucked up shit Kenny has done, right? Uh, maybe I'll just throw some some things out there, and and, and you y'all can riff on them. Like the drug poisoning crisis uh, has gotten worse incredibly worse under Kenny record deaths every year he's been in office he's shown incredibly incredible cruelty to people who use drugs um yeah, small know, business owners first right small business owners exactly. hate those things exactly he's he's committed class war on behalf of the rich at, a, at an epic scale you know his corporate tax cut he has privatized huge swaths of our healthcare system he's irrevocably <laughs> fucked our, our healthcare system uh you know 1.3 billion dollars on a pipeline to nowhere that didn't get built yeah uh, you know, like th- this, he knew, like Kenny knows who butters his bread and it's, it is, it's capital. And like, he made no bones about it. And, uh, you know, you, you hope to see that kind of class awareness from the NDP, but I mean, obviously we're, we're not. And the impossibly incoherent, like messaging about COVID coming from his government because he was stuck between, yeah, the like far right freaks who denied that there was a pandemic and thought there should be no restrictions whatsoever. And everyone else who didn't want grandpa to die. And then they tell us to stay home, don't celebrate Christmas this year. And then Aloha Gate happened. We saw that like something like <laughs> nine or it was nine of them. We're just fucking off to other countries like fucking holidays. Do you have a favorite uh, scandal or, or memory you want to bring up right now, Shema? Oh God, it's like hard. It's hard to even it's so much but that's kind of part of the point of like breaking people's brains it's because it's one thing after another and so you can't actually like any of these would be such a huge scandal on their own any of the things that you yeah. mentioned um but taken all together it's overwhelming and so that's the, but that is the point right and it's like don't it's like, don't look over there look over here oh no now there's this other thing so it's it's been hard to organize and you know thinking thinking even about organizing in the way that Kenny was ousted by like the more right wing people in his party there is like an alternate universe where people organized mm-hmm. you know the people whose family members and friends and community members uh, died of, of drug poisoning because this government uh, moralizes around that. Uh, people whose you know loved ones died, not just from COVID, of course, but all kinds of delayed surgeries and diagnostics and stuff because of the broken healthcare system that they want to privatize. That All of these people would come together and organize, but because we live in this you know, liberal capitalist society, every experience is made in, made singular. And there's not a connection between all of these things, right? Between your kid getting COVID and you like not having sick days to, um, you know, your neighbor, your neighbor's kid like dying of, a, of drug poisoning, right? All of these people should be able to organize together. But, the, but this is not a failure on their part as individuals. It's like a social failure. It's like a cultural mm-hmm. failure, really. Um, and yeah, the right like, knows that they can organize and win because they've consolidated themselves around strictly around exclusion, extraction, and capitalist accumulation. They don't need to have anything more than that. His ouster was an incredible feat of grassroots organizing. It's just been, yeah, the fact that this it came from the right from people who just don't want masks or whatever. Or people who are just angry at him being thrown under the bus uh, almost immediately into him taking 
getting control of the party. But it was a feat. I mean, it was organized from the ground up through the constituency associations, years-long campaigning for him down. Yeah, if, if you have to hand it that? to anyone, if, if you have to hand it to anyone, you have to hand it to the Kenny haters uh, within <laughs> the UCP who managed to oust a, a dude who had every advantage at his disposal. Every resource, every advantage. <clears throat> Uh, yeah. But they still did it. Uh, why wasn't this people organizing for a uh, better society for uh, like in protesting of um, yeah what he did to the healthcare system, which will take many years to recover, if even like in an optimistic scenario. Why didn't it happen from that? Uh, speaks to a lot. Yeah, it's a cultural failure, I think. <sighs> well, yeah, I mean, we do live in Alberta. Um, so I, I want to go, I want to move to kind of what's next for the UCP, because I think that is uh a very intriguing and also like very uncertain question um you know kenny is staying on <laughs> for the time being i know maybe maybe between the time this is recorded and before it comes out kenny will have actually resigned but who fucking knows right now what we know is that he is staying on as leader until the next leader is chosen i i i actually fucking like this i think this ensures kind of maximum chaos and maximum infighting between you know the faction that ousted him and you know, the faction that still kind of supports him. Um, Let's recap where it's at though, just because yeah, I don't even know, like it's so touch and go at the time of this recording. Uh, so he has stepped down and then there's a, apparently a very long meeting with, it was the executive or was it with caucus? I can't caucus. remember. Caucus. caucus. Okay. About what to do. Does he stay on as interim leader? Do they appoint an interim leader? I don't, when we don't know what's going to happen next as of right now. That is, is that right. At, yeah. And and so, Shama, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on this? I didn't quit. I only said I was going to quit. Swerve from Kenny. Do you think he actually has it in him to like try and hang on with his fingernails after saying that he resigned? Yeah, it's hard to predict because this is, I think, the end of his dream to run federally. He won't be palatable federally, and that it did seem like Alberta was kind of a stop on the way to that. Um, yeah, I think the maximal chaos, I mean, for really maximal chaos, he could just call an election now and like, salt, you know, salt the earth for them. But um, I do think the aftermath of this, the UCP will rejuvenate. They know their toast if they split. Um, but, you know, they it's so perfect for them because it's like they have gotten rid of the most perfect scapegoat because Kenny himself is so hated by, you know, both every side um that they can i think they'll win next year i think i think that they will just say oh yeah you hated everything that happened uh yeah that was kenny's fault but we're so ethical and we are so devoted to albertans that we organized and got got rid of him he's and he will be built up he has been his his political career here built up as kind of larger than life that he was this like savior that came in and united the right against the like left communist ndp and uh so it is a really great thing for them to campaign on look at how great we are we even could get rid of kenny who's like a political genius um so yeah and i don't know also aftermath like i think that you know, Danielle Smith has been, has, has her name has, you know, she, she has announced, has she has announced that she yeah, is running she's for leader the next that day she's after. Running. Mm-hmm. She, she has a lot of, uh, you know, conspiracy theories around COVID and things like that. I'm not sure if it matters. 
you know, white women are really valuable and valued by right wing movements. And so I would not be surprised if they picked if they had a white woman um, as their leader. So like Candace Bergen, you know, MAGA, MAGA yeah. Candace Bergen think, uh, for that. reason. Uh, yeah. I will. Daniel I Smith has announced uh, Daniel Smith has announced her intention to run as uh, in for not only a UCP nomination, but also for the leader of the party. And Brian Jean is the obvious uh, kind of like dude who I, I think everyone, I think all you have to do is show someone a picture of Brian Jean with a thumbs up next to Jar Jar Binks to just kind of. Yeah, 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 man, I have that one saved in the folder on my computer. I love it. Uh, Instantly get Brian Jean's vibe. What's next for the UCP though, I think is an interesting question because I think we all agree the farther right kind of pseudo libertarian, but like, conspiracy soaked faction of the UCP is going to make gains, big gains. Uh, they are different from Kenny's like authoritarian, highly resourced, like very, very federal conservative approach to provincial politics. So they will, okay, no matter what happens, I think they come in inherit this government. But I think Kenny over the years has built up a certain infrastructure within the party that leads to that authoritarian style, like the culture of secrecy that developed the, um, they're going to learn from this and begin, I think, just governing like him, but with a kind of more conspiracy, wild rose party-ish kind of um, political flavor to it. Shami, you, you, you mentioned how um, kind of white women are important to the conservative political project and uh, a, a name, a leadership candidate name out there that is a relatively low-key right now, but I think who I think is kind of one of the more likely people to uh, to both throw their hat, throw their name in the ring uh, for the leadership race, as well as to win it, is uh, Shannon Stubbs, who is an MP in kind of central Alberta right now. She's got connections to uh, the Wild Rose. I think her partner, uh, Shane Saskew, who's a former Wild Rose MLA, um, she is... Um, I, I would just put that name out there for, for y'all to kind of ponder on. I think there's got to be some kind of candidate from yeah. the Kenny camp, like someone from cabinet. Who you know, though? I mean, like, no one fucking likes Doug Schweitzer, uh, next... Sonia Savage, someone, someone of that ilk. You got to think well, that like really unlikable. None of them would have a chance. I know. I know. But like the, the, the Kenny faction is pissed. Right. And you just got to yeah. figure that, that, that they're going to come behind someone. There is a, to get an idea of where the kind of pro Kenny people are at, I, I am going to read an excerpt uh, from a Facebook post from our friend, a friend of the show, George Clark. Uh, you may remember George Clark as the guy who tried to get rid of Rachel Notley by having people sign a petition. Uh, he, the person attached to his there movement. At the Walmart parking lot. We, we were both there. We were both there in the Walmart parking lot, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, one of the first times I had seen you since like college. Mm-hmm. Um, it was three uh, of the five people there were there to just record it. <laughs> yes, it was amazing. Uh, but George Clark is is uh, a person of, of some influence within the party, and like, let me just read this to you just to get a, the vibe of where the pro Kenny people are at right now. Truth be told, I really thought that I would just walk away from the UCP if Kenny ended up leaving because of this <laughs> stupid attack review. On my way home this evening, I was initially so deflated that I was intending on leaving this mess to those idiots that caused it. But once I started my, putting my thoughts together in a post, I realized that I'm <laughs> never going to give up on what I feel is right for Albertans, and I'm never going to give up as in all caps. We deserve a committed leader who carries on 
Jason's great work. The 51.4% of us who voted yes will make sure that none of the people who tore the party apart uh, benefit in the slightest from their actions. Working hard to keep the 51.4% who voted yes united to support one of our own will be enough to pick our next leader. I'm calling He's upon also, any of you who voted. It should be noted that Clark is like in the context of this currently trying to get a petroleum byproduct company going through this government. He is, he is asking the government for money. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm calling upon any of you who voted yes to please send me an email volunteering to help me to keep the Jason supporters united in picking a leader. I will set it up the same way as we did the petitions uh, throwback to <laughs> the Rachel Notley days. Not controlled by the party, but by us grassroots members, guided by area captains and united in a single purpose. Together we can rebuild the United Conservative Party of Alberta stronger than ever, determined to defeat all threats, especially those socialists who would love nothing better than to see us emerge with a weak leader backing in rather than winning on the first ballot. Nobody from the no side will ever get our vote or support. Not now, not ever. George Clark. Uh, George Clark, Alberta's favorite dumb guy, who's actually, yeah, you, you're, you're right. He's got, his influence is, is not insignificant. He's actually a pretty good organizer when he wants to be. I don't know if he's going to be able to make this sell, though, in a province that universally hates Getty. He's like one of the only people who doesn't in Alberta. So uphill battle, George. Yeah, I think they they hate the NDP more than they hate each other. And so, you know, they will eventually consolidate. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to try. They're going to make some noises because I think there's also like a certain kind of pleasure to this like combativeness that they're probably like, you know, it makes them feel like they're being politically active when actually they're just fighting over who's going to be like, better at exploiting like it's not this isn't a real this isn't a real political struggle in like any kind of like dialectical sense this is just like you know so i don't like that i don't think it really matters in any sort of like bigger sense that there's like a bit of beef because that's not actually where the the struggle is located um i don't i don't really know shannon Stubbs, I, but i i do think they will find somebody who will go to um immigrant uh, communities and tell them I know that you hated Jason Kenney maybe he said some racist things but come come to the conservative fold for you know freedom and, and opportunities and stuff and and so I think that they will coast to victory next year I think it will move the NDP to the right and it won't work because the NDP will want those progressive conservatives that's going to be their strategy but it's definitely not going to work so I just I think there is a struggle I think the struggle is between uh, two different kinds of elites. Like, I think the Wild Rose Party represents the gentry, like people whose power bases are more localized, tied to whatever car dealership they own in Red Deer. <clears throat> they tend to be farther to the right and more conspiratorial and crazy. And then there's the other side of conservatism, which is international capital, which Kenny behind the scenes very much represents. And the two camps are irreconcilable in their hatred for each other. And yet they work in tandem, right, in a very, like, material sense. And so I don't think that for this kind of, like, global struggle against fascism, like, this struggle doesn't matter. Um, like, the global capitalists need the, like, local people to do all of their weird, like, social conservatism and things like that, too. I mean, I do, yeah, of course they hate each other in, in lots of ways because of the, like, globalists and, like, you know, anti-Semitism and other yeah. kinds of things. But um, mm -hmm. they do need each other. 
So I think it's very funny and I'm happy to heighten the contradictions between uh, these two. I I mean, I probably come down more on Shama's side on this just because, yeah, like they'll figure it out. Like the the United Conservative Party is not very united right now. They've Uh, never been united, though, ever. They were never united. They they were united enough to to win a landslide victory. Right. So like so there's a difference between being united in an internal way and an external way. And they were united for like consolidated around this external threat, which is the quote unquote left in Alberta. And that was enough for them. But of course there's been there, there has never been internal coherence to the UCP. Yeah. They all hate the green left and the wild conspiracy theories that they associate with it as evidence throughout Kenny's um, tenure as premier. So let, let's, let's even, let's just work this out timeline wise. So I've got some rough guesses uh, here and, and, but like we only have so much time. The next election is next May. Uh, it's May right now. It is a year away, and so I mean, I would love to hear what you think the timelines make sense. But I think like a quickie leadership race with a leader that gets picked at like September October, giving the new leader oh, like six or seven months mm-hmm. to be leader. Uh, you know, like at. Kenny staying on until September, October, I think would be hilarious. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, but, uh, you know, it it is, I think it might be technically possible to delay that election and like another 11 months, though it would be highly irregular. If I can go into Um, prediction mode really quick, he's going to try and punish Gene. He, he, that's in his character for this. Like he's going to try and screw him over in any way he can. So whichever, like, yeah, like, uh, it's, like it seems his biggest motivation to like quit, not quit, is, and to stay on is is to mess with his enemies that that yeah. uh, that got him to this point, right? Like, uh, but but like even the timelines are like okay, so you have a quickie, messy leadership race. I'm gonna say like half dozen, at least a half dozen people are gonna throw their names in the ring. Mm-hmm. I think there's gonna be someone even kookier than Daniel Smith uh, that will be throwing their name in the ring. Uh, <laughs> Which is wild to think about, considering just how far off the deep end she's gone on cryptocurrency and like ivermectin and and hydrochloroquine and shit. But uh, one thing I can recommend to you is to sign up for Daniel Smith's newsletter. It comes out uh, Sunday evenings, and she, and it's like long. Like she doesn't have an editor. Her, you get a peek into her brain, man. It is absolutely wild. Um, so that's the like kind of rough timeline uh that we're working on right a year to the election leadership race that has to happen in essentially four to six months um to give the leader some time to kind of like to to like pull together a cabinet and a budget into some type of coherent platform um but let's and then let's let's run in let's kind of get into prediction mode again and go into the general i think shama you've been very clear uh, that you don't believe the NDP are going to be successful in the next, this next general, even though I'm going to run down all of the advantages they currently have, right? Like they've been leading in the polls for the past two years. They've outfundraised <laughs> the, the NDP have outfundraised the UCP uh, for the past couple of years as well. Um, you know, they, they are nominating candidates. Uh, you would hope that an election like this would be an election that would play to their strengths, i.e. healthcare, uh, given just how fucked up the healthcare system is you, you think that even with all of those advantages the ndp still are not going to be able to win 
You know, it's my pessimism of the intellect because I do think that Kenny's resignation is a break. And so all of the fundraising, I mean, they will still fundraise because people will give them lots of money um, with the hope that they can oust the, the UCP. But the polling is under a Kenny regime. Um, I think that they will, you know what? I would hope that they, they would win, but the NDP ain't great. And so it's not like they're going to fix everything or you know, um, but I do think that Kenny's leaving rejuvenates the party. Kenny is personally vindictive, so I agree with you that he will try to, you know, fuck with like Brian Jeaner or whoever. Uh, but I, it's he's just such a perfect scapegoat. He's like a political Goliath that they can show that they're so ethical and wonderful uh, and community minded or whatever you want to fake thing you want to put in there by getting rid of him. So I, I think that's going to be great for them to run on. I think that Kenny needs to be understood as part of a larger system of power, like a certain kind of power uh, that uh, ties to Harper. No matter what happens, there's going to be a candidate in there. Kenny did this role very well. So there's going to be a candidate in there that gets that kind of support those kind of shady dark resources that will mm -hmm. keep that element in control of Alberta there will be a really fierce effort to maintain it um like I said Kenny did it well uh who could possibly do it as well as him uh someone will emerge if not Kenny himself to fill that role yeah and we don't vote for parties we vote for MLAs and I think that they there will be all of that local camp campaigning saying like, look, I was on the anti-Kenny side, this or that. But yeah, I mean, obviously shenanigans can still be pulled, but I, I don't want to be in the prediction business, but that's my maybe pessimistic take on this. I'm happy. I'm so happy that Kenny is miserable because I know that this, he probably had like a bad night, you know, and that makes me happy, but <laughs> uh, in, a, in like a really like personal way. But uh, yeah, I think there's like dangers to, to getting rid of a scapegoat, right? I, I mean, that's why I worry about someone like Shannon Stubbs coming in who doesn't have the stink of Kenny on them and just like, well, I wasn't my problem. I'm here to rescue you from the from the evil horde. I mean, I think the NDP could snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I think, you know, if I was to put percentages on it, like I would still give the NDP a better than 50 percent chance of winning the next general election like right now. But obviously right. we're, a long, yeah, right we're a long way away from right it. now. Yeah. Yeah. We're a long way away from a general election. A lot of shit is going to change between now and then. And, it's and the a fool's going to make predictions in Alberta politics. I think we all it's agree. Tr it's yeah, true. It's I true. The NDP could still snatch. The NDP could still snatch defeat from the jaws of victory here. Um, I see the moments because they have had the easiest job, like just sitting back and just um, all they have to do is just to, uh, express concern about horrible things Kenny does all the time and not really do anything about it. So, I mean, they don't. They haven't yep. really been in a position where they've lost political capital over the last I think few years. one thing that we need to be united on, which is that if the NDP fail to win the next election, like, it, you know, the the, 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 uh, the management, the, the leadership level of that party is, has simply got to go. <laughs> like, this is it. If you can't win this, like, you, yeah. don't, get to, you yeah. don't get to be in charge anymore. Yes. Um, because this is the progress report and because of the person I am, we, we can't do this pod without taking some time to talk about the, like the kind of media takes, uh, that have come out kind of post Kenny resignation. And, uh, and so I did want to take a minute to talk about a dear friend of the pod, uh, Rick Bell, 
just because oh. he makes me laugh. Uh, and uh, and a couple others. If you have any others, I'd, I'd love to hear it. But like Rick Bell and Jason Kenney like are buddies, right? And and it, it clearly pains so far him. As Kenny has friends. I don't think that he has. I think Rick Bell is almost the closest thing Kenny does to having a friend. <laughs> they, like Bell loved him. It's like at the start, would just write love letters to him, like like he was a favorite sports yeah. guy or like a favorite artist. Like, yeah, he, like that's how he fit politics. He would. Swim. The headline of his piece is "Kenny never listened, and now he's out." And here's a quote that I thought was quite illustrative: "I write this column with some sadness and no pleasure." If Kenny had listened, if he had looked in the mirror, admitted there were things he could improve, offered a plan of how his one-man band of, gov- of a government could become something better, dot, 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 if, 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 a mug's game. But instead, he stuck to his script. He spent so much time defending himself, he had no time to even consider what the people of Alberta actually wanted. I'm just going to break in here and say that was a rare two-sentence paragraph for Rick Bell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> back to the quote. So Kenny will be stepping down as be leader and Pramer. It didn't have to happen. The fall from grace is stunning. He's so sad that his buddy is is out. It's you can hear it. It pains him. Yeah. What universe is he living in? I just uh, you know what. <laughs> it's a, you know what. I'm gonna connect form and content here. And there's there's something about the one sentence breaking up that shows like a really like fragmented way of thinking that I think is incapable of like doing analysis. And so. It's in the form of his writing that he cannot, like, have any understanding. Uh, it's like a, a squirrel, you know, one thing. Politics is sports. Goldfish? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think Rick Bell lacks object permanence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just the amount of emotion he puts into the tone of his writing here, too. Like, you can tell he's, like, emotionally invested in the fate of this premier. And he even had a little bit of a falling out with him and... um stopped uh, writing love letters to Kenny every week and uh, actually started criticizing him for a little while there. So there's been like an emotional arc for him that you can trace through his work over the years as he came to be disillusioned with this man he once fell in love with. Yeah. He's very sad. And in like, it's because he invested so much of his like public persona into building up Jason Kenny as this great philosopher King who was going to come here and save us from the NDP. And then it yeah. turns out, uh, actually, uh, Jason Kenny sucks and no one likes him. And now he's fucking gone. Yeah. Like Rick Bell has the brain of a golden retriever. And, um, if you've lost <laughs> such loyalty, yeah. <laughs> but you know, Kenny's not smart. He's not smart. What he is able to do. Well, he has a lot of connections because he's been in politics his whole life. But he is able to say a lot without actually having any content to it. And that's how he talks in circles. And it sounds like he's using like $5 words or whatever, right? Um, But he's not actually, there's nothing like smart or analytical about anything. And that's why he, you know, this maybe is full circle to this, this like idea of like memes and like legibility. But he says the same things over and over again. And he has the same strategies. Like... I reject the premise, this or that, right? That became a joke, but it's because he has nothing else. All It's all empty, like copious language. I actually think he's really clever. Um, I don't think, I don't see Kenny as dumb at all. I actually think he's a very, very clever politician. Uh, yeah. He can't, like the, the way he talks, every word he says is very, 
very careful, very calculated, and um, very packaged in a way so that like he can answer questions to the media about why he's absolutely fucking up the healthcare system. And basically the only way he can get away with in press conferences. And he's, he, he does, as Rick Bell notes in this piece, like he sticks to scripts very well. He's got talent as like, a, and, and then like a raw, like Machiavellian, amoral political sense. It's, so it's I all think tactics, that what I'm no saying strategy. Doesn't, but what I'm saying is, does it negate that he's talented at this like yeah. i think that his ability to to keep saying the same things over and over again to stay on script and again this also takes us back to thinking about like breaking people's brains like that that of course is a political talent i don't see that in in the other um candidates or at least the ones who've uh put their names in yet they don't have this, mm-hmm. this that same savvy uh but i'm just saying that like the, this is all part mm-hmm. of like what allows them not to be like good analysts either right right like he can analyze the scene of politics but not actually like material conditions which of course he can't because his whole thing is to like exploit people and stuff right yeah yeah you don't need to to be a good analyst to be to exploit people Yeah, to me, he was. It was all. It was all tactics, no strategy. It was all about the fight and not about like, you know, the. the yeah, well, Stephen the, the called him bellicose. About, I think that's such a great word for for Kenny. Yeah, like the the thing about conservative politics, right, is that like it it, it obviously cannot resolve the contradictions within capitalism and how fucked up things are. So, this is why it's always about finding an external enemy to blame shit on. But here in Alberta. Conservatives are almost always in charge, mm-hmm. you know. So, so it becomes this exercise, and this is why leaders just simply are unable to last, right? Conservative, what's the line? Like the last, the only, the only politician to finish out their full term since two thousand four is Rachel Notley, right? Like he's yeah, only here to facilitate the cold extractive process of resource extraction and nothing else. He represents which that either party would do. Yeah. So. But the other party, or like the Wild Rose Party, or side of his party, tends to be small business owners. I mean, it's like the junior oil and gas companies that tend to have the most psycho politics. Um, I think <laughs> Kenny represents a bigger level of capital yeah. than these like, little regional warlords. Yeah, and I guess they felt... And then the NDP I also facilitates the same. You're right, both parties. Yeah, NDP is also just there to represent the cold extractive process of resource extraction, but also probably not go to war with the doctors in the middle of a pandemic. So I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're like exactly the same or anything like that. I think oh, that I know. policies matter and the NDP would have different policies. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that the, the frontier mentality of Alberta is still very much there with uh, leaders being ousted. Cause like, you're not my dad, like don't tell me what to do or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like that kind of, um, that bellicose attitude uh, is, is part of Alberta culture. Um, I don't know. Like the right wing movements are consolidated around like charismatic leaders often. Um, but yeah, I think that that there's some like pushback against authority in Alberta that that can oust those. It's an entitled leaders. frontier colonialism. Like it's the most entitled people in the world uh, in the UCP, uh, both camps. Yeah, they have every meaningful lever of power in this province, and they fucking hate each other. 
So at the very least, yeah. <laughs> uh, they hate each other enough to just turf their fucking leader, which they you know, own gives me... of land, but complain that they're living under socialism, like they just think of here. <laughs> which I, I, th- I think we should take a moment to just revel in, you know, the the the, the, the sadness and failure of our political enemies here. Like, mm-hmm. it's a. Uh, Kenny is a bad person and he's had a bad day. And I think it's, it's useful uh, to, to not just move on to the next thing and be like, Oh, everything's going to get fucked up. It's like uh, the bad person had a bad day. That's like, I will take some solace and some comfort in that. Um, You know, you can allow yourself that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I just um, don't see this as a victory of any sort. And I, like I see all the like liberal types on Twitter just celebrating right now. It's like, what the fuck do you think happens next? You know what I mean? Like, enjoy your moment, but. Yeah, like, there's personal pleasure that Kenny had his, you know, dreams dashed and suffered a, you know, personal defeat. But, uh, yeah, take take the bigger picture. This is, it's it's the worst people who got him out. It's, it looks very different than if it was actually, you know, workers organizing, uh, families, communities organizing against him. What if this is just a tactical retreat, though, and we haven't seen the last of him, and he is hoping for another opening to run against and crush Brian Jean and Daniel Smith and renew his mandate? What if he thinks that that scenario is out there? I mean, what if he stones back on the table, let's say, and he gets a big pipeline past him? I feel like even during his speech, I couldn't predict how that speech would end, and so yeah, yeah. (laughs) who knows. What if he gets I am not. Life? I am not ready to go uh, there. If his DC I, lobbying I, pays off because he's half lobbyist, like yeah. going to DC and stuff. What if it pays off? What if there is some sort of victory that he can attach himself to in terms of like you know, getting a planet cooking pipeline in the ground? Then he tries to use that to justify himself as the only adult in the room who could actually like face the NDP or something like, like sell it that way somehow. I, mean, I can see it. He's staying on for another six months, and like a lot can happen. Yeah. I I'm I'm still Wild willing to say that, that his, this this chapter of his career is over. I don't. I, I think him coming back now is is one of those very low probability events. But you obviously can't count him out. Um, I mean, does he know po- I, I Alberta politics. Alberta politics is fucking chaos, and yeah, never make predictions, as I think as one of you said earlier, uh, which where we just spent a whole bunch of time making predictions. Which I but just like, made a while. That wasn't a prediction. That's just a scenario. I'm just floating. Yeah. I'm just okay. But I think we're we're coming to the end of our time here. Like, what if you were to try and cohere this conversation into you know something worthwhile, like? How how do we um, understand Jason Kenney's resignation as a as a political moment, and and how do you think it will do you think it will actually matter, uh, you know, for Alberta as it kind of as as it digests this and moves forward? Um, I think the, the political moment. I'm just going to go back to what, what um, we were kind of talking about at the beginning, and that he. It'll, it's his legacy that I'm thinking about a lot because he really gave people unintentionally and only by his own fuck ups gave people a look under the hood of like what non-electoral politics looks like and the extent to which it controls all of our lives. And it's a does a lot of psychic damage to everyone in the province and he's left us with that. A little bit of political education, maybe that's a silver lining that we're no longer as um, trusting in our democratic processes. Yeah, I mean, the acceleration of misery 
is will hopefully radicalize some people, but I'm I am not somebody who thinks it's worth all of the the death and destruction and misery for that acceleration. Um, yeah, I think take away personally happy that he's out, but um, this is really a way for the like kind of Christo fascist uh, right wing to like repackage itself in a more palatable way, um, incorporate, you know, conservative immigrants to realize their capitalist destiny. Like, I think this does rejuvenate the UCP in some ways. If That's not really a prediction, but uh, they expelled somebody who was toxic. So I think they can re- rejuvenate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I again, like I... I, I will just take a minute to say, fuck Jason Kenney. I'm glad he's gone. What comes next? Uh, who fucking knows? I never make predictions about Alberta politics. But uh, yes, it's not going. They're not by any means gone. The United Conservative Party and the like, the conservative movement in Alberta is still very powerful. They still have a ton of resources. They You cannot count them out. Uh, and they've done so much harm already and like the legacy part that you brought up Stephen. like yes the hundreds if not thousands of people have died due to the actions and the policies of this government and like mm-hmm. there was a there was like a hit uh during the 2019 election where you know uh, rachel notley or there was some campaign ad where it said people will die because of the united conservative party and the united conservative party made mm-hmm. fun of it uh, and <laughs> and they actually repeated the the charge out loud and and Jason Kenney actually said out loud, people will die if the United Conservative Party wins the election. And people fucking died. And it's it's worthwhile to, uh, you know, as someone who is in the media and as someone whose job it is to interview people and to kind of make the world sense around them, it is important to remember that, like, they were bad people who did bad things. And, you know, they're going to continue to bad shit. It's, it's at least my job and Stephen's job, not so yeah. much your job, Shama, <laughs> to kind of, like, keep... Uh, um, you know, paying attention to the shit that's going on and expose it. So anyways, those are, those are my thoughts. I, th- I don't think they have to be coherent or united to do a lot of damage. And I think that's where we have to keep our focus on. Mm, definitely. Okay. Uh, we have come to the end of our conversation today. Uh, time to plug uh, your pluggables. How can people follow along with you and the work that you do? Um, Shama. Yeah. So um, the best way to get in touch with me or to follow what I'm doing is on Twitter. So it's at Fritz Le Shah. Um, and uh, I have a podcast called Replay uh, that looks at pop culture um, co-hosted by uh, with Desmond Cole and part of Harbinger. So um, we should have an, a new episode out somewhat soon, but you can also find that on Twitter. Yes, very good podcast def- and also a fellow traveler on the Harbinger Media Network. So definitely check out Shama's podcast. Uh, Stephen, how can people follow along with your work? You can follow me on my Twitter, just at Maguziak. It's a mostly a mix of local politics, Canadian politics, and just like great animal content that I just like to retweet. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, follow us along right now. We're focused on covering the Ontario election. So watch this space as we continue to delve into that. Sweet. And, and folks, if you're made it to the end of this podcast and you like what we do, uh, you know, join the 500 or so other folks keep this little independent media shop going, put your credit card in uh, a small monthly donation. It really helps us out. We really do appreciate it. 
Uh, also, if you have any notes, thoughts, or comments, I am very easy to get a hold of. I am on Twitter at Duncan Kinney, and I am on email at Duncan K at progressalberta.ca. Thank you to Jim Story for editing this podcast. Thanks to Cosmic Famu Communist for our theme. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.